Welcome back to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Welcome, welcome to the, is it 57th? No. (laughs) I was going to do a funny joke about the general conference, because you know how at the beginning they always say like, Welcome to the 157th General oh, Conference. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which one was but this? But I don't know the one? number. So. Yeah. I don't rem- I don't know. It's it's up there. And we survived. We survived the General Conference weekend, you guys. <sighs> Katie and I had very, very different experiences this past weekend. Yeah. <laughs> like, polar opposite, um, which I think is quite funny that it worked out that way, that you know, we had different experiences with family or whatever, like visiting, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not to, like, throw you under the bus and have you talk about your experience. But I just think it's quite funny because especially with general conference happening, like, you had to witness it firsthand and I was out drinking with my boyfriend's <laughs> parents. So, not the same. Yeah, we had, like, polar same. opposites and, um... <laughs> Yeah, I luckily though I only really listened to like one talk, which I might reference a little bit later. But besides that, I was kind of able to just check out. <laughs> Ugh, general conference. It's just it kind of blows my mind that I used to think it was like an amazing thing. Okay, so let me let me backtrack. I think I've talked about this in uh, like previous episodes, but. Growing up, my mom never made us watch it, and we just thought it was a free Sunday you got to sleep in. (laughs) So I never understood what general conference was. Like I was like, I don't get it. Whatever is cool. I just know two two Sundays out of the year we don't have to go to church. (laughs) And uh, then when I went to BYU, obviously I was like, oh, like this is a legit serious thing. Like we have to watch it all weekend. That's insane. Yeah. Um. And then when I moved to Berlin, I just, like, kept those habits. And I remember being like, oh, my God, I have to have my notebook out. <laughs> I was I just going to ask if you took notes, yeah. Oh, girl, I took notes. <laughs> I took notes. And I had a BYU professor who told me, uh, I think it was the Living Prophets class that I had, who also told us to pray for an eternal companion every oh. single night and morning. Yeah, which I did it. I'm not, like, saying, oh, my God, that's so stupid, because this girl right here did that, so... Well, I mean, yeah, they they instill in you, you need to find a man, and you need to do it fast. (laughs) (laughs) It's so great. It's it's really eerie and bizarre to think that I used to pray for that. Like, I used to be like, dear Heavenly Father, please help me find an eternal companion who is a worthy priesthood holder who will take me to the temple to be sealed for all time and eternity. That was my prayer. It just, it makes me feel sad, honestly, because <laughs> I know that lots of girls and women do that now, currently, and they really think that, like, uh, they just think that's of the utmost importance, and they don't, uh, yeah, I won't go down that rabbit hole, but yeah. <laughs> women, if you are listening and you are on the verge of leaving the Mormon church do it. Stop praying to Celestial Jesus to find an eternal companion and just go out and get laid. Okay? Yeah. And think, let uh, things happen naturally. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, I, I remember, like, praying for that. And then she also told us, the same professor told us to, before every general conference, to 
ponder and pray over the questions that you want to have answered during oh, general conference. I remember hearing that even as young as being in like primary and things like that. I remember that was like a theme you would say. I have some sort of question that I want answered. And then you have to intently listen to the general conference talks. And then you pick out what you think would be the answer to your question. <laughs> yeah. Which, I just remember being so disappointed every general conference. Because this bitch right here would write out real specific <laughs> questions. <laughs> and I was just like... Why am I not ever getting any answers? Like, I must not be righteous enough. And I would be so disappointed. And at the time, I thought it was because I wasn't righteous enough or I wasn't listening. Like, I didn't have a right ear, you know? Like, I I wasn't in in tune with the spirit and listening and blah, blah, blah. And now I just know it was a whole bunch of bullshit. And, of course, like they're not going to answer these questions for me. But it's just so crazy how I used to think of this general conference as like oh I'm so excited to be spiritually uplifted and to hear eight hours worth of bullshit talks but like at the time being like oh it's it's words of God like yeah it's it's all these these men who are like so much more spiritually uplifted and so much more experienced in the in divinity than I am and so listen to what they say and get inspired and become holier and become better. And then when you listen to it now, I'm just like, how did I ever think that anything that they're saying has any type of credence? Like, it's all just, it's all just crap. Like, (laughs) it's all crap. And I also, I remember being, feeling conflicted quite often too, because, um, in Germany, it's quite common or in Berlin, at least to, you would still go to church to watch conference. Like, oh, uh-huh. it's kind of frowned upon to, like, watch it from home because it's not as righteous, you know, as if you go to the to the ward and sit in the chapel and watch it on a big screen, which yeah. I just thought was so fucking weird. Like, yeah. why not just watch it in the convenience of your home? But whatever. And so, like, and they would be judgy about it. Like, oh, you're not going to go to the, to the, like, the, the <laughs> chapel to watch it. And I was like, no, I'm going to watch it at home. Because I also felt really, ju- like, I was constantly being judged or, like, comparing myself with other people. Like, oh, shit, they're taking a lot of notes. Okay, let me, like, take oh this Oh, my note. God, or, like, yeah. Oh, they, like, are talking about how amazing this talk is. And I'm just like, meh, it makes me feel a bit uncomfortable, actually, if I'm being mm-hmm. honest. Or, like... You know, I don't really agree with some of the stuff that they're saying or find it quite discouraging, but I would never admit that to myself or to anyone else. But I remember having those thoughts of like, uh, I don't know how I feel about this, but you know, it is what it is. It's what God wants me to hear. So I yeah. guess I need to hear it. I'm not righteous enough. So and you know what that's they do? my problem. You know what they do, I think, to make it much more palatable is they'll, they'll pepper in those either like sexist or homophobic sort of topics and things that just don't set well and that are obviously myth they'll pepper those in with like messages of love and being christ-like and being nice to your neighbors and serving like they mix it all in together so then when you say you have a problem or you think you have a problem with something that was said they're like oh but the you're taking it out of context the main idea is love and being like jesus and you're like but but Real, wait, wait, <laughs> no, that's not actually what the whole message is, though. 
Oh my god, that's actually really smart. Like a really not not like Kitty, you're so smart. <laughs> oh, Sarah. But that's a really <laughs> that's a really good point. Is that I've never thought of it that way. That you know they are able to like mix in these horrible messages of what you're saying, like sexism and you know being a homophobic, awful human being. But they like pepper it in with like, but be loving and Christ-like <laughs> service and charity yeah. and. So when you criticize it, you you they think you're being an asshole, and you're like, no, but literally, like they're, yeah, they're just talking about some stuff like threatening you, you know, threat threatening to take away your eternal salvation if you like don't pay your tithing or some shit, oh. and then they'll just say, oh, but be loving. Oh yeah, that's the main point. Okay. <laughs> you know, you have to make sacrifices, and you're going through a trial. This is a test of oh. your faith. The trial and you'll be nonsense. rewarded and blessed if Gross. you overcome this struggle. Gross. <laughs> Can't. Um, so we will eventually get to our actual topic today, but I also just want to highlight this point again. Katie and I, we, we were so fired up because of the time difference. I saw this article, uh, like, I don't know, eight hours before Katie even woke up and was like, Wah! I got so angry. <laughs> And so I had to send it to her, and I think this is the story that Katie posted, too, with a hilarious meme. But it's so dumb that, like, 2015, apparently Celestial Jesus is like, no, 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 children who are born in, how do they say it? They don't say LGBTQ households. They say say same-sex couples. Same-sex couples. Because in their mind, there's only two genders, and it's binary. Yeah. They're so, I can't even... Um, gross. And, um, <laughs> then they can't get, you know, baptized until they're 18 and out of the household, right? Like, it's not even just if you're right. 18, you had to be out of the you household. You had to be out of the household well. and you had to, like, denounce your parents, um, like, whatever, relationship. And, um, Their lifestyle, Katie. Yeah, Their life choices. They chose it, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then also, like, the, the, ba- the kids who were like children of same same sex I'm doing air quotes um couples they couldn't get blessings you know like any type of priesthood blessing or anything like that oh my god I didn't know that yeah and then it labeled um LGBTQ couples as apostates so that's you that's basically what Sarah and I are you guys like anyone who speaks out against the church or anyone who supposedly knows the truth of the church and leaves is an apostate and that's when you go like straight to hell so that's what the the same-sex couples were labeled as as well in 2015. In 2015, because that's yeah. when God was up there. <laughs> he was probably up with J-Dog, putting their heads in a oh, hat and being yeah. like, oh, this is inspiration we got. Got it. Now, Like, it really, them. yeah. J-Dog and Elohim and Celestial Jesus were up there, and they were going, you know what? It really pisses us off when two men like each other, they touch each other's wieners, and then they lovingly adopt a child, that is really unacceptable, and they, that child is not allowed in our church. (laughs) Exactly. We'd rather them grow up in a horrible cult that teaches them to not have unconditional love and support (laughs) and acceptance, so let's make this rule and tell the what is this, the church is the fourth largest Christian denomination? I'm totally just pulling that out of my ass. I, I could be wrong. Well, I think, I mean, they do have a lot of members. I think it's like 15 million members worldwide, but I think that like 
they claim to be growing faster than they actually are. So I don't, I don't know for sure. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. Um, but then, and this is the whole thing is that now all of a sudden, you know, 2019, celestial Jesus and J dog and Elohim are like, (laughs) just kidding. We changed our minds. And now that's not the rule. Yeah. They're not considered apostate. No, they can't get baptized, but we still consider same-sex marriages to be a transgression. Like a serious serious one. Yeah. Worthy of church discipline. So, yeah, they still say that it's it's a huge sin if you're gay or any... If you're not straight, basically, it's a sin. And uh, they changed... You know, but Mormon God has changed his mind so much about stuff that it's like, oh, I guess this... Whatever. But the thing that makes this so horrible is that... You know, this shattered, like, people's lives, and people, especially Mormon LGBTQ teenagers, a lot of them committed suicide because of that 2015 policy that they claimed was divine revelation from God. And um, now they're just saying, oh, yeah, never mind, we're changing it. But they don't issue an apology. They just say that it's God again. When in actuality, it's just old white men being homophobic and making a mistake. Exactly. And the thing is that, like, so Katie and I are talking about this, but it just, oh, it makes me so angry because obviously it's just a horrible, horrible thing. But then also to see so many members who are, like, people who I know who are very intelligent defending this and justifying this and not using their brain. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. just being like, oh, yeah, you know, well, it's it's got to be because God is consistent and constant and... You know, if he says it, then that's what happens. And these are also people who say that they are advocates of the LGBTQ community and of, you know, like all, you know, or feminists or whatever. But then they obviously aren't because they support a religion that is so horrible to this community. Yeah. You know? Oh, totally. And yeah, I just, I don't see how they can you know, justify that in their mind. I know that they must do some sort of mental gymnastics to make it work, but it's also so dangerous when they say, you know, God wanted it because the prophets and apostles said, and we're supposed to have faith and God's ways aren't our ways and yada, yada, yada. But that's when things can get really dangerous. Like with any cult leader or any person that people just blindly follow and say, oh, of course he speaks for God. Like, that's when things can get really, really awful. And that's when a lot of religious violence and death happens. And it did in 2015 and, you know, through these past, like, four years. So it's pretty scary when otherwise smart people just go, oh, yeah, okay, well, we just buy it hook, line, and sinker. And we just trust that he's speaking for God. Like, no, he's not. He's very clearly not. (laughs) Exactly. And and this is kind of like a good segue into our actual topic 20 minutes later. But whatever. It was important. It was general conference. It was. Talk about it. Yeah. Um, of like kind of, so we've had a few, well, more than a few listeners message in asking us like to talk about, you know, how we, first of all, like how and why we decided to leave the church and the process we went through to leave, you know, like how to actually have the courage to leave and walk away and then kind of how to deal with it the first year or so maybe after leaving. Cause I'm still relatively fresh to it. Katie's been out a little bit longer than me, but I say maybe the first few months we can talk about. Um, but yeah, so for me, 
one of the huge reasons was this whole issue with with this I'm doing air quotes same sex marriage policy that they they announced in 2015 because I left soon after that it was 2016 this like maybe six months into 2016 that I decided okay this is not for me yeah you know I think after that 2015 policy that was in November of 2015 and after that happened I I want to say I read like a Salt Lake Tribune article that I think it was it was like thousands of faithful Mormons resigned because like of that policy Mm -hmm. so that was a huge yeah catalyst for a lot of people leaving which understandably right (laughs) yeah I mean and to kind of we can both bounce back and forth between like the reasons why we left but um for me I would say it wasn't like an overnight decision of like you know this policy came out and then immediately I left it wasn't like that I think I always had questions from an early age, but I just kind of pushed them down because of fear. You know, yeah. like we, I had these questions of doubt, you know, like, oh, I don't really think Joseph Smith was a prophet. I didn't think he was. And I refused to say that he was in a testimony until I was like 20 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also just didn't understand why the racism happened in the church and continuously happens and why no one addresses that, why you know, African-Americans weren't allowed to have the priesthood until so much later than white people. And Mm -hmm. like, I just, I didn't, that didn't sit right with me and how no one could explain it to me. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the sexism in the church, like I was really annoyed constantly that I had so much pressure put on me to get married at a young age and (laughs) to have kids. And that career was never an option for me that I was selfish if I, you know, wanted to have a career instead of marriage, or even, I never even considered that really, it was more, of, I just didn't want to get married young, I wanted to have a career first, and to travel, and then get married in my 30s, that's kind of how I always saw it, and I received so much pressure, and like, I don't know, that just never sat right with me, and then also having no control over, like, who I married, so to say, or like, when I got married, or when I could have sex, or when yeah. I could start... Because I felt like I was always waiting to start my life. Oh, yeah, because they have control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it was like, you know, a woman's not worth anything in the church until she's married with kids. Yeah. And so I just always felt like, okay, you know, I'll be happy once I have, you know, once I'm dating and I'm engaged and I'm married to some guy, like a Mormon righteous priesthood holder, then I'll be happy. And then I can start my life, and then I can have kids, and then I'll have the fullest blessings on earth, you know? So it was kind of like I missed, I and I still to this day, I feel that I missed out on a lot of amazing opportunities because I was waiting for my life to start. Mm-hmm. But I had no control over it, really, because we're taught that, like, you know, the men are the ones who select the women, and, like, we do our best to be suitable for, you know, courtship, but... At the end of the day, like, we just have to be patient and wait. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. And say those prayers, whatever, right, to yeah. celestial Jesus that you're going to get your eternal companion. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think, and then, sorry, I'm just going through all the thoughts of, like, how I decided to leave. Because I always thought these things, but I was just so scared. Like, I was like, oh, no, but this this is the only true church on the earth, and so if I walk away, I'm losing all these blessings. And right, you I'm think the consequences and, like outweigh what you know outweigh the questioning, and so you stuff it down. Yeah, exactly, and that's what I did, and I think I did that 
with the sexism for sure I pushed that down oh, and I the did racism too. and mm-hmm. um the home you know the hate on I'm doing air quotes again same-sex marriage and like you know the LGBT community and like how they just were so awful with all of that I I pushed it down as long as I could but I was so at that point as you guys know my one of my best friends and dearest friends in Berlin is Jay who's been on the show and I just it, it did not sit right with me and I felt guilty I had this this nasty feeling in the pit of my stomach always that was just gnawing away that I was like how can I be best friends with someone when I'm in a religion that is completely against him and his, you know, I'm doing air quotes, his lifestyle and choices, and would, you know? Yeah, like, and urges its members to vote to take away his basic rights. Exactly. And I just, like, couldn't, I was like, he is one of the nicest human beings I've ever met and the most supportive and accepting and loving and kind. And when they talk about, you know, Christ-like attributes, which he better not listen to this because then his head will get so big, but um, he had all of those, and I just, I could not, I just couldn't justify it any longer to myself that I believe in a church that would want to take away his rights and all the rights of people in the similar situation as him, especially in the Mormon church. I just couldn't, and then when that policy came out, I was like, okay, like, for me, this isn't sit right. And then I think the tipping point was when I realized, because I never knew this as a Mormon, that polygamy was practiced in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you hear about it as in like, you know, you kind of know that if a man's, you know, is married in the temple and his wife dies, that he can be married and still to another woman. Well, I didn't know any of that until I was about, I think, 26, 27. Oh, wow. And when I found that out, I was like, what? This is not sit right by me. Like, I am not okay with this. Mm-hmm. And then the tipping point is when I realized that this actual doctrine and belief is just not talked about often. Yeah. yeah. That if a woman, you know, dies and she's a virgin and she's chaste or whatever and she goes to the afterlife, I always thought you got married to another single man. <laughs> That's how I, like, helped myself or, like, comforted myself being like oh okay I can remain a virgin and do this as long as when I die I go to heaven and I'm married to a, a guy who is monogamous right mm-hmm. no 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 it's basic type doctrine that actually no when you die you get married but it's to a man who has multiple wives <laughs> yeah yeah and those are supposedly like the most righteous men and they get all the wives like According to Mormon doctrine, like, you could easily have been married to Brigham Young after you die. Exactly. And I remember talking to a girlfriend about it, and she just, like, made a joke about it. Like, oh, and I was like, fuck that. That's not a joke. Like, I am not about to fucking be a virgin and miss out on sex, which is one of my absolute favorite things in the world. I didn't know then, but now I know. <laughs> to, like, die and be married to fucking Brigham Young. Like, Ew, what? yucky. Yeah, no thank you. Yeah, and I was just like, I put my life on hold for this shit? Fuck that. And I was like, nah, 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 nah. And then I got the CES letter, and it took me a few weeks, and I read it, and I was like, okay, I'm out. Like CES I can. Yep. Yep. Um, so I don't know if you want to share maybe your part and then we can kind of go into like how we both 
decide like what we did next once because I think it's, it's several steps in the process. Oh, the yeah. The first one is realizing, okay, yeah, this isn't true. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't something I want to be a part of. Yeah, I think for me, um, I had questions about stuff as young as maybe fifteen, and. I mean, I'm sure, like, lots of people do, and I just sort of ignored it. But I remember um, when I was in high school, I think the thing that really started me feeling uh, uncomfortable was all of the talk about Prop 8, because that was, like, I remember it was talked about a lot in seminary, and it it hadn't happened yet, but they were advocating for Mormons to vote um, so that... Same, like same-sex couples couldn't get married in California to take away that right from them. And I just felt like it was obviously unethical and horrible. And um, I, that was my first real big like contention and problem with the church. And then I was researching into that a little, and I remember coming across um, some some stuff online about just other things that were problems with the church, like... I remember uh, reading about the Mountain Meadows Massacre, which we've talked oh, about. Never heard about. <laughs> yeah, listeners, if you want to listen, we have an episode about it. It's pretty old, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and I was so fascinated by it because when I first read it about the Mountain Meadows Massacre, I did it. It didn't really like shake my faith in the church. It just was eye opening for me. I was like, wow, there's a lot that I don't know. There's a lot that we haven't been told and it's fascinating to me and so i shared the article i found on facebook like right back in the day when facebook like had just barely started and i sh- i shared it on facebook cuz i was like just like oh this is so interesting and within the hour i got a message from this girl in my ward that like we were the same age and we did stuff together we were like kind of friends And she wrote to me and said that she was deleting me as a friend from Facebook and that she didn't want to communicate with me anymore if I was, like, going to promote anti-Mormon lies. (laughs) Bobbitch. Yeah, but I was so taken aback. I was like, what? Like, this isn't a lie, and it's not anti-Mormon. It's just, like, the history. And... I remember I, I like, asked my family about it because I was so confused. I was like, wait, so is this anti-Mormon? Like, did this not happen? And I asked them about it at a, um, it was, like, a extended family dinner. So my grandparents and cousins and everything were there. And when I asked it, everyone got silent. And the room was so uncomfortable. Like, it was so, so, so awkward. And then my grandma said, we were always told not to talk about that, and if it ever came up, you're supposed to say that the Native Americans did it. <gasps> and I was just like, what? And then they wouldn't say anything else. Like, they wouldn't talk about it at all. And so then, that really got me feeling super strange, because I was like, why is this such a big deal? And so then, I started looking more into the history of the church. And once you start looking, it just is like, I don't know, a waterfall of stuff that you you thought was true and you start to realize that everything you've been told was wrong. Like it wasn't it wasn't even close to the truth. And um and then in 2008 is when the the prop 8 thing kind of came to a head and 
it was, you know, the church was campaigning for it. And I just, like, I think that was really the point where I thought, I can't be a part of something that lies to all of its members and that promotes hate against a group of people for no reason. And um, I just, it wasn't like I immediately cut ties right then, but I definitely distanced myself, like, starting at that point and then more and more over the years. Mm -hmm. Because... And like you said, I, I had issues with, like, polygamy and with the racism and with a lot of things, but I sort of, like, you know, stuffed them down, especially, like, the racism stuff, because it's sad to say, but when you're living in a culture where you're not faced, like, we, you and I, Sarah, have never had to experience racism, and so no, we're never not. told that it's, like, a big problem and I didn't realize how big of a problem it was until I got older and then realized that I'd just been super privileged. So, um, yeah, I think that's basically in a nutshell, like why I started questioning and then, yeah, once the research starts and then, oh, and then I'd been out for a while when the CES letter came out and I was like, oh, someone's done it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> oh man that's the thing is that like it's just so much that happens um it's, it's what's the word I'm like accumulative yeah is that the word yeah <laughs> um <laughs> English is hard um because it wasn't for me like one thing that just because I do know I've I mean some of you have even messaged in and told us that for you it was more of just like one thing that happened and then you instantly were like I'm out yeah. But for me, I think it was like a building up of like yes. more and more things. And then I also think it's the older you get, the more, and I mean, this is kind of true about everything, but the older you get, the less you give a fuck about what other people think and you're more secure in your yourself. And mm -hmm. so I think that's what helped me to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've been told how to live my life my entire life and now all of a sudden I'm realizing that that was all bullshit yeah that this entire thing that I invested so much of my time my energy my money my everything like my life was guided entirely by this religion and I have no regrets you know I think that my life is okay like it turned out as it is and I'm okay with that like I'm not saying oh I wish things would have been different but it's just a bit like well fuck like now I have the choice to make but then at the same time I remember because your brain is kind of like spiraling out of control yeah. for my experience anyways of when I decided to leave the church it wasn't just like this calm feeling of like oh I'm gonna leave and walk away it was like exactly I mean I don't know if you guys probably haven't but I wrote about it and I published it but in that chapter it was like I felt like and this is how I describe it to a lot of people, is I had this security blanket wrapped around me my entire life, mm -hmm. and then it was just all of a sudden stripped from me, and I was, like, alone and scared and dark and, like, cold, and I had no idea who I was. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm not Mormon, then who am I? Yeah. Like, wh wh what do I believe in? And also, if it is true, then I'm going to hell. Like, am I mm -hmm. sure I'm going to do this? Like, mm -hmm. I, I'm, and I still struggle with that now, you know, not every day and not all the time, but there are still moments where it overcomes me where I'm a bit like, oh, fuck, what, what if this church is true and then I'm going to hell and, 
But luckily, I have people like Katie and this amazing community we have that say, like, actually, A, there is no hell. And if there was, you weren't going, like, you're not going to it. So, yeah. um, and, and I was kind of like, my boyfriend's parents were in town this weekend, and I was talking to his parents who were atheists. And so, like, for them, they're just like, whoa, like, this is so interesting. And so I was like talking to them about it. And I was like, yeah, I still have these moments where I think I'm going to hell, but luckily, like, your son has helped me through it. And they both kind of all three laugh, like, yeah, because there is no hell. <laughs> and I'm like, ha that's funny, but I didn't know that until recently. <laughs> no, that's a really good um, point that makes you want to, like, kind of bring that whole thing up about how um, it really is that it makes it so much more frightening to even question because you're told that questioning or looking at things that aren't church approved are, like, controlled by Satan, and you're told that yeah. Satan and hell are real. They're they're not just myth, and they're not just something that, you know, is a fun story. Like, they are real, and Satan has little demon helpers that can help him. And, like, so when you're asking questions, I think that you probably can relate to this, is that I, I felt like when I would ask questions, because I sincerely wanted to know, and I, I wanted to believe in this, so I would ask people, you know, the questions I had about, about problematic issues and you can see them get very defensive they freeze up because they're told to not talk about that because when you're bringing those things up that's the devil and so you can't even like talk about it and then if you go one step further and you leave or you decide that you don't believe in it then it's like oh you're full-on controlled by satan and you might you might go to hell and but then when you leave the church for long enough you can kind of work through that and realize that there is no hell. It's just a fear tactic to try to get people to stay. But it's super real when you're experiencing it. It's very, very difficult to work through. And when people, like Mormons will say that leaving the church is the easy way out or that like people are just leave because they want want to sin or whatever. It's like, no, it's actually really, really difficult to leave. It's not easy. It's easier to stay. It's hard to leave. Oh, 100%. Well said. I mean... And Katie and I have talked about this before, but yeah, when I when I first left, I was like, oh, because I had a few Mormon friends say that, like, oh, this is the easy way out, like, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking, like, fuck you. Like, it is not easy. Like, yeah, I, I didn't sleep. I was so anxious all the time because, like, my brain was just on constant, like, spiral. Like, con, like, I mean, I honestly felt like, a Looney Tune character who got hit in the head with like the stars and the bump on my head, like dizzy and constantly just like, I don't know what to think, what to do. Like if this is the truth, like, you know, is it true or is it Satan telling me lies? Mm -hmm. Am I going to hell? If I leave, am I making a big mistake? If I leave, should I just stay? maybe I should just stay. I've already invested 28 years of my life. And like, you know, what do I do now? Like I can't. And then also the whole, for me being a virgin, I was like, how am I even supposed to date? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to date. Like I'm going to start dating non-Mormons who are going to ask questions. They're going to want to have sex. And I have to be like, Oh, hi, I'm 28. And I've never done anything than like French kiss (laughs) a few times. Like, you know, so it was like all this anxiety, like constantly. And then also, I had my garments. Oh, uh-huh. I didn't know what to do. I was like, 
do I just stop wearing them if I do? Because at this point, I had, I remember specifically, I kind of stopped going in Chicago. So in 2016, I moved to Chicago for six months, and I hated the ward there. I had my roommate, and I met a few other really cool people in that ward, but for the most part, it was so superficial and just like, a meat market like it was a singles ward and disgusting and I was like I hate everyone here (laughs) why am I wasting my Sundays here (laughs) like horrible so I kind of just stopped going and would say like I was sick every Sunday because I had roommates two of my roommates were Mormon and one was super chill we got along really well but the other one was a bit like you know, she wouldn't even eat coffee-flavored ice cream, Thai Mormon. Oh, wow. I mean? mm-hmm. So it was pretty judgy, and they're always like, oh, you sure are sick a lot on Sundays. And I was like, yeah. Um, so I kind of <laughs> stopped then, but then I still wore my garments and, like, everything because I was like, oh, I think this is just a phase. Like, once I get back to Berlin and I'm with the people in that ward, I'll go. I just don't like the people in this ward, and that's why I'm not going. <laughs> that's a common theme, I feel like I say the word common theme a lot, you guys. I'm sorry about it, but whatever. I'm just saying it. Um, <laughs> the, you hear often that people in the church claim that if someone's inactive or not participating, that it's just a phase and that they'll come back with enough missionary work or with enough prompting. Like, anyone who isn't believing or not active, it's just a phase. They're just in a dark place, but they'll get through it. They'll come back because whatever, in their minds, of course, the church is true, and why wouldn't it be? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And also, another common theme (laughs) um, is that they also tell you that, I remember, like, hearing this often, that, you know, they would say, you know, most of the time, people leave because they were offended, so don't be equally offended. Oh, my gosh. people leave. That is so spot on because I heard that so much as an active member and then when I stopped going I would even have people say who offended you and I think I've talked about it before on previous episodes about the bishop who asked me very like inappropriate questions about my clothing and about you know stuff like that and uh, people would assume they're just like oh since that bishop said that to you that's why you're gonna throw it all away that's why you're not gonna go to church like assuming that they knew what I had been through and assuming that they knew what I'd researched and everything I'd been, you know, struggling with internally, they just like to blame it on like, oh, well, you know, the the people in the church aren't perfect, but the church is. And if you leave because someone offended you, Gross. like, you're just selfish and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yep. I hear <laughs> that all the time. And so, and I remember even questioning that, like being a bit like when I was in Chicago, like, well, maybe... Maybe this is just a phase because, like, I don't like the people in the ward, and maybe I'm just feeling rejected because the guys were assholes and no one's asked me out, and I think I'm fabulous and, like, so fucking hot, so why don't they want to ask me out? Like, fuck you guys. So I was like, maybe I just feel rejected and, like, offended, and that's why. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Berlin. Things will be on track. Come to Berlin, go to church, and I was like, ugh no, I'm still not feeling it. Like, I just don't want to be here. I don't feel good about it. Like, I have an icky feeling in my stomach. Like, I'm just, I don't know. I'm not into it. And then my family came. So my mom and niece came to visit for, like, three weeks. And we went 
on this like European trip and so I, I like brought my garments but then I used every excuse not to wear them because it was in the <laughs> summer so I was like oh like when we were in Barcelona I was like oh we're going hiking today so I can't wear my garments <laughs> oh we're going swimming so I can't wear my garments oh like literally any reason I could think of I wouldn't wear them and I remember my mom being like oh I guess you're not wearing your garments again today like don't you think you should be wearing them and you should be an example to your niece because my niece isn't Mormon. And I was like, oh, man, I feel so much pressure and, like, I feel guilty. And Ugh. so then I would, like, wear them. And anyways, we didn't go to church that whole time because we were traveling. And uh, when they left, I was like, and I still don't want to go to church. So this is not a good sign. Like, yeah. But I was, like, in my head about it thinking, like, oh, they do say the longer you stay out of it, like, the harder it is for you to come back because, like, you know, it's just, it's, you feel like it's an awkward thing to come back to church and maybe it's just my anxiety and I need to get over it and I just need to go. And then I tried again and I was like, no, I just don't think that this is right for me. And then around that time is when I got the CES letter and I was like, oh, fuck (laughs) you're like there's a reason why I'm feeling icky about all of this there's like actual reasons that all of this doesn't sit well with me (laughs) exactly and I was still living with a Mormon roommate at the time and not just any (laughs) Mormon roommate she was very devout like come you know her whole family was like devout like I used to go with them on Sunday to have like lunch with them and Anyways, like, really nice people, but very, very strict Mormons. Like, very, very strict. And she went to a different ward, because I went to the English-speaking one, and she's German, so she went to her family ward, because her dad's a bishop. And I was just like, oh, I don't feel comfortable living here anymore, because she was constantly asking me, like, did you go to church today? Did you go to, why didn't you go to Institute? Like, oh, are you not wearing your garments anymore? Like, oh, you're on a dating app? Because at this point, I was, like, trying out Tinder, and I was kind of seeing this, like, weird German guy. And I met him from Tinder, and he came over one night to have dinner, and she was so rude to him. Like, (laughs) wouldn't even acknowledge him. And he was like, wow, why does your roommate hate me? And I was like, because you're not Mormon. And he's like, what? I haven't even said anything to her. Like, anyways, and then she came into my room and was like, let's talk about you (laughs) not being active anymore like why do you have these questions and I was like because no one's answering them and I just don't feel comfortable and like I really don't know if I believe anymore and I remember specifically sitting on my bed and her being like well I think you just need to pray more and read the book of Mormon <gasps> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was like what And it was so unfortunate because she and I used to be, like, best friends, like, very, very close. And as soon as I decided, okay, I don't want to go to church anymore, she completely shut me out. Um, And I did, to be fair, I did a bit as well because I felt uncomfortable. And I didn't want to talk to her because anytime we talked about it, she would just say, I need to pray more or read the Book of Mormon. And I was just kind of sick of it. So I just stopped talking. She stopped talking. I moved out really quickly like, within a month, and it kind of turned into this, like, nasty thing where she was really pissed because she didn't want a roommate who wasn't Mormon, and there weren't any Mormons who were looking for a room, 
so she was like mad at me and it was kind of this drama but I was like I have a contract I'm sorry but like it's up to me to like for who I fill the room you know what I mean like yeah and I'm not happy here and I want to move out and so I did so it's really unfortunate because that whole connection and tie was like broken and and it's sad to me that I I, hearing you talk about this, it's sad to me that people get so upset when another person just does what's best for them because it takes a lot of integrity on your part to say, hey, look, I am being honest and I don't know if I believe this. I think I don't believe it and I'm going to be honest about it and not fake it. Like you would think that a person who's really your friend would be like, wow, that's really like that's honest of you, that's brave, like, you're having, you're being true to yourself, and that's how you should be, but they just want you to, like, fake it, and pretend, you know, keep pushing yourself to do something that you know is not true, and that doesn't really make sense, you know? (laughs) It's true, and, like, I just felt, I felt trapped, and I was like, oh my god, I have to get out, I need to be on my own, because I also felt like I need to know about this for myself like I need to figure this out on my own and not be you know like not live with a roommate who's Mormon not live with like Mormon influences not talk to Mormon friends like I just need to figure this out on my own and granted like I look back now and think okay maybe I didn't handle things the best way and I'm sure I did hurt people's feelings and I'm truly sorry about that Um, but at the same time I was like, I need to do this for myself. And I feel like if I'm talking to Mormon friends or trying to get comfort or like advice from them, it's biased. And I just really wanted to know for myself without any type of influence. And so that's why I, I moved out. And to be honest, I'm like, bitch, you're welcome. Cause she met a guy and got married within like a year. (laughs) So I'm like. You're welcome, because you would have done that if I would have (laughs) stayed. Yeah, right? (laughs) Um, Um, But when you were saying that she just told you that you needed to pray more and read the scriptures, study the scriptures more, that really reminded me, like, I think that might be the most common thing, like, that I heard was that if I had a question about something, it was just always, like, the answer was either... Um, we don't know in this life, we'll know in the next life, or you need to pray more and you need to study more. And I find that super condescending because, like, we did pray and we did read the scriptures and we did study. And we did, like, I remember, like, crying, praying, asking to know about why these issues were in the church and asking to know if it was true and reading the Book of Mormon all the time and then researching and reading church approved sources and just finding out more things that didn't add up. And then when you bring them up, most members of the church, not all, but most of them just assume that you don't know what you're talking about. They just assume you haven't read or haven't studied and like, not to toot, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I think I know a fair amount about the Mormon, the Mormon religion, yeah. and they're just like, oh, you don't know, like, and whenever you say anything, they think that you're being, like, anti-Mormon or whatever, and I'm like, no, I just, like, I literally have had these questions, and I did do what you said. I prayed, and I studied the scriptures, and, um, yeah, the issues are still there, if not even more so. <laughs> Oh, man, you hit the nail on the head with that. Like, especially with the whole, like, you're just trying to be confrontational or 
you know, you're just trying to be, like, anti-Mormon, and I was like, no, I'm really not, like, I'm just, I'm just as confused about this, like, that's why I'm asking questions, like, I'm trying to understand, because isn't this, and I used to say this, too, like, isn't this religion based on free agency, like, isn't it about us being intelligent human beings who do question a lot, and don't just go based on, like, oh, I mean, that's the whole premise that the Mormon church says, is that Joseph Smith didn't feel right about the other churches, so he had questions, and he went to the woods and prayed and used his free agency and was given, you know, divine revelation or, you know, visits from angels. Like, so then why can't we question things? And also, why don't we receive that type of answer that explains exactly. all the that have huge <laughs> gaping holes in the story and don't make any sense at all? And if I try to get these questions answered, it's because... I don't receive answers is because I'm not righteous enough. Like, <laughs> fuck you. Like, I mean, there were so many times where, I, yeah, like you were saying, like I was crying, I was praying so hard and reading the scriptures and reading my patriarchal blessing and like just, you know, thinking about the covenants I made in the temple and like trying so hard to understand and to be like, you know, God, if this is real, like, if this church is true, then make me feel at peace because right now I don't, and especially, you know, if you're saying that this stuff is all just a lie and that Satan is confusing me, then surely if I'm praying and I'm reading the scriptures, that feeling will go away and mm-hmm. I will know it's still true. But it didn't. It never did. And I was like, I can't I can't continue in this religion knowing the truth that I know now because yeah. this isn't Satan's lies. These are just hard evidence. Like, yeah. it's just fact. It's just it's fact, just yeah. Fact. <laughs> You know, and and so I think I justify, so kind of to backtrack to maybe listeners who are wondering, okay, well, now that you knew the church isn't true and you couldn't go back, how, what was your next step in the process of leaving? And for me, I think I kind of, I knew I couldn't do the whole cold turkey and just quit. I had to slowly trick my brain a bit by saying like, okay, like, you you know it's not true, but let's slowly ease off. Maybe this will just be a phase, and maybe, you know, you're not receiving this comfort and peace all at once, but, you know, in a few months' time, if you're still reading the scriptures and and praying, but you're not going to church, you'll you'll come back or you'll realize that, like, you know, you'll receive revelation that it's true, (laughs) and so... For right now, this is just a phase. You're not going to church, but you're still doing everything else. And then I kind of, like, did that for a little bit, maybe, like, a month or two where I didn't go to church, but I was still praying and reading the scriptures. And then slowly I was like, okay, well, this isn't working either, and I I feel less inclined to ever go again now, Um, and I don't want to wear garments. And for me, that was one of the hardest things was to take the garments off officially. I bet, yeah. And to just wear normal underwear and bra again, I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, legit. Like, if I do this, I can't go back. Like, this is me breaking these covenants. This is me, you know, I made the highest covenant or promise there is to make, and I am now, like, I'm basically saying I don't believe and I have to stop wearing this and blah, blah, blah. But I still couldn't throw away my garments. Like, I put them in a plastic bag in the back of my closet. (laughs) Because I was like, 
oh, I can't, like, I can't get rid of them yet. Like, it's, it's too soon. I yeah. can't. Like, I'll, I'll wear them again soon. Like, I, I will put them back on once I know. And then I think, I don't think I threw them out until a year or so later. Wow. It was quite a while. It took me a while to do it. And I didn't know what to do, so I just, like, threw them in the trash. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's a huge step. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, gosh. and then I think... Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's still an ongoing process, and I think for those listening who are confused and on the verge of leaving, like, I do want to be very brutally honest that it's not going to just bring you peace all overnight, and you'll feel, you know, happy and amazing. I think it it is a relief, for sure, and you know that what you're doing is right, but it is a tough and long journey ahead, but at least you know you know the actual truth now and you can drink coffee and have sex. So that's amazing. And wine. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh, And wine, of course. Um, Yeah. It is like, it's, it's hard. It's a lot of, and I would strongly encourage again, if those who are listening, who are thinking about leaving or have maybe recently left, like therapy was really important for me and it's helpful as well as talking to really supportive people who aren't trying to persuade you either way, but who are just unbiased and open-minded and supportive. I think that was really, really helpful for me, too. That's huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Because for me, too, I think very, like, kind of similar to you, Sarah, but I hadn't been in it for as long. So I, I did a very, very, very gradual leave you know like oh I'd go to church every now and then and then it went down to like once every couple of months and then it I stopped and then you know you kind of get pushed back from like family and friends and you have to deal with that but once you get through it after a while it's honestly it's so worth it because I've been out for a long time now but I was thinking about this and it's even been just the past couple of years where I think I'm honestly at a really good happy spot with in dealing with all of that because I think even something as small as like um believing in I mean it's not small but a small part of Mormonism like believing in the specific Mormon afterlife like that sticks with you kind of you know yeah and you're you are kind of like conditioned to always believe that and then just recently I'm just like you know what I don't know and I have to be honest with myself that I don't know what's going to happen when I die. I don't know if there is a God. There's no way to prove any of this. And I have to be honest, even though it's scary to lose that comfort blanket of like, oh, yeah, of course there's a heaven and blah de blah Like, mm-hmm. to me, that was after I admitted that to myself and just embraced it and was like, okay, I just don't know. Everything has gotten so much easier. And I feel like my life has gotten better because I like cherish my life more instead of just looking forward to the afterlife or the comfort of it I'm all about like living now I'm not scared of like demons anymore and yeah it took like like that was a 10 year long process so it does take a long time but I can honestly say it's worth it so for anyone yeah like when you're leaving it's not easy and there will be pushback but like Sarah said if you can talk to people who are understanding and just really stay true to what you think is right for yourself and don't be like yeah. swayed to do anything that you don't want to do. Yeah. And exactly, very well said. And I think as well like just knowing that 
Yeah, it's this whole idea that what Kitty you were talking about, that you don't know what's going to happen in the afterlife, but you do know you just need to enjoy life now. And for me, that has been, like, tremendous. Me like, too. I finally feel like I'm living life right now. And not to yes. say, like, that's, that sounds dramatic, that, like, 28 years before I wasn't. Because I was, you know, of course I had adventures, I was, you know, living life, but I was always scared and I wasn't allowed to do a lot of things that I wanted to do or wanted to try and now it's kind of like, okay, well, of course you still have your, you know, you figure out your own moral compass and you still don't kill people or yeah. do horrible <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Um, but as my boyfriend says as well, he's like, you know what, you don't need a religion to be moral. Of course Like, not, you no. don't. And mm-hmm. if for me, it was like realizing that like, oh, hey, like I don't have to have a religion to be a good person. I can just be a good person on my own, but also I can drink a wine. I can, you know, go on holiday somewhere I've never been and wear a bikini on the beach or go topless and meet a, you know, whoever. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. living life without constantly thinking like, oh, shit, how is this going to affect my afterlife? Like, <laughs> how, am, am I going to hell now? Like, is this going to stop my progression? Am I not going to go to Celestial Kingdom? Like always having those thoughts. And, I mean, now reality has set in for people who have never been in a religion. They're probably thinking, like, yeah, but you're going to have all these other fears and doubts come in, which is true. Like, now I have, like, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. Like, should I do this? Should I follow my passion? Should I? Whatever it may be. But at least those are something that you can deal with that are common. Like, that's something that a normal person experiences on a daily basis, not mixed in with oh, shit, am I going to hell, like, blah, 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 you know, all these other, like, fears that you have in your head, and now it's just like, okay, I'm going to live life to the fullest or as best I can and not have any regrets and know that I'm still a good person and that I'm not waiting for my life to begin anymore. Yeah, and the reason those fears are in your head, like, if you're listening, if by some miracle you're listening and you're still a Mormon, like, the reason those fears are in your head are because the leaders put them there. Like, kind of like I referenced at the beginning of this episode, the current prophet, uh, Russell M. Nelson, he gave a talk during General Conference, and it was all about how if you leave the church, you will not be reunited with your family in heaven. Like, you will not get to the same level of heaven and let, if you leave, you're settling for second best and... um, if you leave, you what you need to do, like, is you need to pray and study and you need to have faith because if you don't, the consequences will be terrible and you're going to lose everything in the afterlife. And it's total fear-mongering. It's terrible. Oh. And I find it, yeah, just abhorrent. But um, know that, like, that's not true. If It's just hard to, to question when you're not allowed to question a prophet. But... Um, that would be like my biggest advice to people leaving is to not listen to the leaders when they say things like that and question them because they're humans too. And yeah, yeah, they don't let them scare you. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I know that's easier said than done and right. people are probably thinking like, Oh yeah, that's easy because it's still so much fear based and like guilt and shame and, everything rolled into one but don't you know don't be afraid like this it's not true like I don't know how to say it's just (laughs) not true and for those listening who have no idea you know of like never grew up Mormon or in a cult but just enjoy this type of topic like 
it's a crazy thing because I'm sure you hear Katie and I talking about this constantly, this idea of fear and shame and guilt and everything, but it's such a huge component in, in yeah. the religion. It's what they use constantly. It's a fear tactic. That's mm-hmm. the religion. It's Completely. all it is. And so yeah. when you first decide to leave, it's just a huge it's a huge deal, and I, I know I joke a lot, and especially, like, with friends who are maybe listening, I did, that was ha- kind of how I found comfort in leaving, is I made jokes a lot, but I would go home and be a hot mess, you know, yeah. like, completely confused, torn up about it, especially when I first started, you know, drinking coffee, and, you know, having sex, and then, you know, drinking, I would be a mess the few, like, the week or so after each time, you know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, man, like, that was, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, like, maybe that wasn't okay, like, I need to repent, or I would always question, like, how far can I go before I'm not allowed to go back to church anymore, repent my way, like, repent and come back. (laughs) That was kind of like I always had that safety net of like, oh, but if anything ever does happen, at least I can like repent of this sin and come back to the church. Oh, my God. You know, and then it finally, obviously, when we created the podcast, I was like, well, guess I'm done because like (laughs) there is no coming back from this. We, Katie and I are hardcore apostates. We are. Yeah. And especially now that I've talked about the temple and my name, like, (laughs) yeah, no way. Yeah, we're definitely throwing a party in outer darkness, and it's going to be <laughs> lit. <laughs> um, but what oh you were God, saying... I need a t-shirt that says that, throwing a party in outer darkness, Oh, it's be lit. See, yeah, we're going to do merch, you guys. We're going to make t-shirts. That's going to happen. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, that is a big announcement that we have. Um, we haven't officially, like, set it up, but we're in the process um of doing that and it should be I mean I hope we have it up and running maybe by the end of this month next month but it'd be cool guys because I mean maybe I'm shooting myself way too I'm like this month or the end of next month but the idea is that we want to we want to make like cool merchandise like t-shirts with our like quotes or things even you guys have sent in or just funny things that we think everyone can relate to and appreciate and have a cool t-shirt or a coffee mug because I really want a coffee mug that has yeah yeah that's great coffee mug or like some type of shot glasses or something would be fun yeah we have lots of lots of options yes anyway so be on the lookout for that and uh, I think we're over time, so we'll stop here. But, I mean, we could maybe do a second episode, like, following up on that. Because I feel like, again, as usual, we barely even <laughs> scratch the surface of that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, thanks for all the love and support that we get from you guys. And as usual, actually not as usual, because we don't really ask it as often as we should. But, <laughs> Um, can you guys go subscribe and like us and share? Yeah, please. Please do. It's, it's really amazing that we keep getting these messages from people who are like, we just discovered your podcast and it's amazing. So we're like, fuck, we want everyone to hear it and join our amazing little Not So Molly Mormon podcast community that we have yeah. with all you glorious exmos and Friends of Exmos and people just curious about cults. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, 
we will see you guys in outer darkness. <laughs> and it will be lit. It'll be lit. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>